Hey everyone, you're listening to A Walk Across Texas State. I'm Tori Graham and I'm joined by Zachary Webb. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Valerie Gomez. Valerie is a lecturer and the MSW field coordinator for the School of Social Work here at Texas State University. We chatted with her and had a real great conversation learning a lot about salary negotiation techniques. We hope this information helps you as you may negotiate salary in the future. To get things started, Valerie, we know you facilitate this awesome program called Know Your Worth that is specifically for women um, hoping to give them the techniques to bridge that gender pay gap. And so I'm wondering, I'm sure there's a story behind this. What made you interested in this topic to begin with? Yes. Well, thank you for that question, and thank you so much for having me here today. Um, The main thing was I was teaching actually a final field class, which is your final semester in graduate school. And one of my students asked me, uh, do you negotiate your salary? And I said, I do. And the follow-up question was, well, can you show us or tell us how? And I looked at her and said, I'm not sure how to teach that, but let's have a dialogue about that. So as I was planning for this session, I was driving, and one day on the radio, on NPR, or National Public Radio, this program comes on talking about a salary negotiation workshop in Boston. Mm. So I pull over, write down the information, and then I email them, letting them know I, I'm very interested, I want to articulate this Uh, information to my class. And they said, great, it's $750. So at that time I said, well, then that's not going to happen. So (laughs) I held a conversation and this dialogue that was very honest. um, We talked about vulnerability and the parts that were scary to ask. And I actually had some students who negotiated their salary. And so I went, Woohoo. Okay. I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a dialogue. And then another student came back and said, I mean, that was good, but could you like give us a script? And so I said, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. So I continued to have the conversation. So, uh, a little, uh, about a month after I ended up, uh, learning that they were asking this company was asking for volunteers. So I got trained in the curriculum and you still had to be asked to be a facilitator. Well, they received a grant and then I started teaching and facilitating these workshops in universities throughout the Austin area. And that's when I started having these conversations and there was a curriculum that went along with it. Now I'm a rule follower. I followed this curriculum to a T And a student after one of the sessions said to me, you know, I hear you, but that's good for you. It's not good for me. Hmm. And I went, wait a minute. I'm you and you're me. That's why I'm doing this. I don't understand why um, you can't see yourself negotiating your salary. And I told her a story and she looked at me and said, yeah, more of that. Mm. And it made me connect that I needed to do these workshops the same way that I teach, which is through storytelling. Hmm. And that's really where I've shifted the curriculum is, yes, there's the curriculum aspect, but I've added my own step and I've added a lot of my story and the stories of others who are participating in the workshop. Nice. 
That's cool. So how long have you been doing this program now or teaching it? So with the organization, and uh, I've been doing it a total of four years, but with the university, I've been doing it about two and a half years. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I remember the first time, well, my first time going into a job, I um, had been, I had interviewed, it was straight after college, you know, I was interviewing probably the week after I graduated, and uh, I left the interview, and they called me on my way home offering me the job, and I was just very... I <laughs> one reason I'm in career services is I did everything wrong <laughs> in those first <laughs> few years. And so I'm trying to help people not do that. But I hadn't done the research. And I remember having this feeling of like, I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to come across arrogant or immodest. And so I went with a an absurdly low number because they just asked me, what do you want? And I felt very bad about asking for a number too high. And of course... That was a, an error of judgment, but I just didn't know better, you know? So I'm so thankful for programs like these to help our women and really everybody learn how to negotiate salary. <laughs> so Your comment is one of the comments that I hear most. Yeah. I feel bad. Where do I start? Where is the time for the right ask? And, you know, when you say I did everything wrong, you did what you knew at the time. Yeah. Right. And so that's why we have these workshops to say, by the way, did you know in not knowing you're actually contributing to the gender pay gap? Mm -hmm. You know, starting off lower means that in a lifetime, you'll have less lifetime earnings. Mm -hmm. So how do we start with the foundation and the techniques and not for our second job when we already have experience? The truth is we all have experience. We all have a story and a lens, whether it's been in a workplace paid or not. So how do we put a value to that and make sure that when we do get that job offer, that we can make an ask that comment, that actually reflects our value? Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. So I'm interested in, if you're willing to share, what is the story that you told the student that was kind of the aha moment that, you know, you need to tell these stories in order to kind of help students understand and understand that they should be negotiating their salaries. And like you said, they have the experience too. Well, you know, a big part of the training itself is really um, knowing yourself and knowing your brand. And so based on some of the experience and the experiences and the stories that I had shared, they saw this as something that they would do later. And the big aha for the student was that I still get nervous. Uh Yes, I teach these classes. I've negotiated my salary. I have not done great. I've negotiated my salary and I've done it well. And I still get nervous. And that is one of the parts of this is understanding why do I get nervous, number one. Um, And for me, it was because we didn't talk about salary, Mm. you know, in the workplace, but also culturally for me, salary equaled success. So there was this like, oh, if I don't make this much, then I'm not successful. So that was my own personal Mm. stuff. But in telling the student that I was scared, that most of the conversation of salary negotiation actually happens on the phone, Mm -hmm. that you can then write notes. You can be scared. They don't have to see that you're sweating. (laughs) They don't have to see that you're shaking. All of those things are okay. That's awesome. such a good point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Yes, I'm definitely sweating. I'm familiar with that part of it. <laughs> um, so if a student is kind of starting that process of trying to assess what the market is and conducting the research to try to know what the, I guess, market is doing, but then also know what they're bringing to the table, what are some of your strategies for helping them through that process, I suppose? So before I even answer the kind of strategy to go about it, mm -hmm. the big thing is, you know, you are looking and researching the salary range, right? But before you actually do that, before you know your value, you actually have to identify your value. Okay. So what do I mean by that? And this is the part of the curriculum that is not talked about that I think that we all need to do before we get into a job. What do we really want in a job? And your answer today may not be your same answer five years from now, 10 years from now. So for example, when I got out of college, I really valued the types of programs that I was in. Mm -hmm. So I was a school social worker. I wanted all the experience and I wanted to be a part of school leadership. And I got that. But I also didn't have the flexibility in a schedule that I do now in a higher education setting. So throughout my career, I have made decisions that work for me. And so whenever I ask this question, what do you value? People always say, I value my family. I value my friends. And then I pause and I say, what's in your bank account? Look at your bank account. What do you truly value? Because your bank account will show you what you value, mm. and to not have shame for what you value. Mm -hmm. So at this point in my career, I really value sleep. <laughs> I want to sleep. And back then, I didn't need as much sleep. So if I want that, then I need to have a job that's going to allow me to not feel guilty to sleep when I want to sleep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we think of salary, we think of only money, but it's not just about the money. So I always tell people, really identify what you value. The other part of that is you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. Mm. Okay. I'm going to say that again because I think that's so important. You can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. So you don't want to work weekends. You want a high salary. You don't want any of the extra work. Well, that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> right? The more responsibility we get or the title change we get means we have to be more available. We have to work with people. And so once you identify what you value, then that's when you can start to think about and do the research on the type of salary. Because salary does not only mean money, it's salary and benefits. Mm -hmm. And because benefits equate the money and your time. So that's a really important part of just before you even start that research part. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing is with research, so going, um, answering your question now into the research, people think, oh man, you go through all these steps and that's a lot of work. Yes, it is a lot of work. The same way that it's a lot of work to look for a job, you have to put that same time and commitment mm -hmm. to looking for a salary. You know, whenever we make a big purchase, like a TV, let's say, People spend all the time looking at reviews, seeing um, different prices, and yet we don't do the same thing whenever we're looking for a job. Hmm. We don't see what other people are saying. We don't take the time to spend days, hours, ask people what that is. 
And so it is really important that once you have and have identified what you value, that that then becomes the thing that you start to research for and look for. So um, if uh, your listeners, I, if they have listened to the previous episode when y'all were answering audience questions about salary negotiation, you said a lot of the tips that I would give, hmm. you know, finding a salary range, never giving just one specific salary, but always giving a range. But when you're doing that actual research, make sure to find um, the varying salaries and in your geographic location. Mm -hmm. I personally like to use salary.com because you can put different position names and titles, but also the city in its employer-based reported information rather than employee. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it actually gives uh, that information. If you work in nonprofits and you're specifically staying in Texas, the Texas Tribune Salary Finder also has information. Um, the Department of Labor helps to give you ranges. Mm -hmm. All of these things matter. And also your network. Ask your network what the range is. I know that mm -hmm. everybody is in a varying place of how they feel about discussing salary. But even asking somebody, can you tell me what a salary is of someone who is entering the field might look like. And that way they can at least give you a range because it really does vary depending on the company that you are with. Mm -hmm. I, um, I wonder, Valerie, if when working with a student on this particular thing, if you've ever come across a situation where there, there wasn't much information I know your your specialty is a little bit more social work, which is a pretty popular job. But I know um, I, I'm a work with our liberal arts students, and I was working with a student who was applying for a hydrologist job in a very rural, remote Texas town, and it was very hard to get a good understanding of what that current market was doing. And so, any tips for that, like when there just isn't data to to pull from? Uh Absolutely. So, you know, you, yes, I am in the School of Social Work, but I also do these workshops yeah. university-wide. So I still work with a variety of people. And you would think that social work would have all of these, um, a lot of data, but it's actually harder because mm -hmm. when you type in teacher, uh, you can look up a specific, you can look up the specific district and see how much they make. Um, but if you type in social worker, there are social workers in many settings. Right. So this is where you would then use the keywords. Okay. And so keywords are really important the same way that you would look for keywords for a job description. And so it is, it's challenging. It's kind of a give and take whenever you're typing in different keywords. But I always tell people, this is where your network comes to play. So when I can't find the position or even a range, I will find within my network on LinkedIn and look at their job titles. Mm -hmm. I will start to look at uh, if they have any descriptions. I will actually look on job sites and kind of look at the keywords that I always see and put that in salary.com because you can put in position names or keywords. Mm -hmm. well, that's so and smart. it at least will give you a start. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes good sense. Awesome. Good deal. Well, I know you kind of briefly touched on it earlier, or you mentioned that it is a question that people get, but in your opinion, when is a good time to talk salary? Yeah, always once you have that offer. Okay. 
So sometimes they might talk about it in the interview, but you are allowed to deflect that question. So if somebody says in an interview, on your application, I see that you requested for X amount. Are these your salary requirements? It's okay to have a statement, something like, I'd like to learn more about the position for me to make that, uh, for me to answer that question. Mm -hmm. The other thing um, I, I mentioned is some applications will ask for your previous salary. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to put 0000, zero, 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 zero as my salary because you don't want them to just pay you a little more than your previous right. job. You want to get paid for the job that you are doing. And if they continue to push, you can even say, I'd like to be paid what the position is budgeted for. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a, yeah. When to bring it up is hard, especially when they start hammering it early because my, my general recommendation to students is, of course, never be the first one to bring it up. And then try to wait as long as you can. And, and hopefully it's when you are, you know, to that point where you're pretty sure you're going to get the job. And so I, I really like those deflecting techniques. And um, I, yeah, I'm interested in those. Got to teach and, those. <laughs> and honestly, this is why the gender pay gap still exists because they get us in these moments where we're a little scared to answer those questions mm -hmm. or we're not quite sure. And we feel like, is this too much or too little? And that's why you have to do the research so that when you confidently say that response, then you're able to feel good about what you've said aloud. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So, like, so can you talk a little bit about, and I don't want to skip around. I know that, um, in your workshops, you have a specific, um, I think it's four steps, and you've added a, another step that you've talked to us about. But one of the things that I work with students with a lot is understanding the employer's perspective and that a good argument to an employer on why you should receive a certain salary doesn't really include your own personal needs. It's more what you're bringing to the the employer, which is, you know, definitely something when I was an undergrad that I didn't understand. I, you know, mm -hmm. you can't just go to an employer and say like, I, I need a house. The employer <laughs> really doesn't care if you need a house. And that's kind of unfortunate. But can you talk a little bit about how to leverage your own experience? And like you say, know your worth and how to speak your worth to an employer. So this is actually the third strategy. I mean, the yes. third step, which is know your strategy. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> and so going into any type of conversation, understanding that negotiation isn't a battle, but a conversation. So remembering mm -hmm. that first off mm -hmm. and human resources is expecting that you're going to negotiate always, even if they say no, they're still expecting you to negotiate. And so the first question I ask in the workshop is always, you know, what are your fears? Like, tell me more about this. And the thing that they always say is, what if they say no? And my response is, what if they say no? <laughs> well, I've never thought about that. Yeah, you're right, because that's the fear talking. And they might say no, but that's why it's thinking about salary, not only as one thing, it's not just money, it's salary plus benefits. So having that kind of second mm -hmm. part, which is your list of those things that you value. So going back to your question, um, I'm sorry, remind me, 
I got sidetracked and so excited that I forgot your initial question. Just, just understanding um, how to speak to an employer about your worth. About It's not really your yes. needs, but it's what you're bringing to mm -hmm. the employer. Yes. Keeping emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. Emotion has to stay out of it. I remember hiring somebody one time and they said to me, well, my commute's really far, so my start time has to be later. That's actually not the way that it works. Um, you, anything that you have going on is think about that and think about how it's a value add to the company. And so let's say you do have a challenge that is viewed by the employer as a challenge. How can you take that and shift it? So if you do need something that is, uh, that requires a more flexible schedule, being able to not say, I need a more flexible schedule. Can you tell me more about the schedule so that I can understand my commitments? Once you understand your commitments, then you'll be able to say, can you now tell me if I'm required to be here from eight to five, what type of flexibility is there within the four to 6.30 timeframe? Mm -hmm. So answering things with inquiries and not a bunch of demands. Mm. And that way you have the opportunity to have a discussion. Also, when you start to negotiate, people start to feel bad about saying, you know, oh my gosh, I'm asking for more money. But what you're actually promoting is self-advocacy. Mm -hmm. And so if you are willing to fight for yourself in that way, imagine how you would fight for others in that way. If you're managing someone, if you are serving a client in some way, that you would be able to research and speak on their behalf. So you're already showing your skills and that really starts to happen from the start of an interview. And so you're showing this throughout the process, especially through that salary negotiation process. That's nice. Yeah. I know you mentioned too, Valerie, that it's, um, it's not always about the salary. And I know a, a specific situation that I've heard of just from friends who've negotiated their salary and not necessarily been successful at, at getting that uh, salary range up, they have sometimes after being told no, like we can't go any higher, you know, it's out of budget if we do that, they were able to negotiate more vacation time, which is also really nice. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's getting creative too in understanding it doesn't always have to be the monetary number that is getting negotiated when they, when they say no. Um, it doesn't always necessarily close that door. Absolutely. I, I believe that it's important to anticipate the employer's reaction. Mm -hmm. So if they say no, what am I going to come back with? And one of the other parts is understanding when it's okay for you to walk away. Mm. So an example of that is I was negotiating my salary with a company and we were within a thousand dollars and it was a great job and it was all the things that I wanted on my list, but I had that point where I was walking away. Now, I did two things. I looked at my list of things that I value, and I also compared that to the benefits that they offered. Mm -hmm. So when someone even offers me a position, I always ask for their benefits packet for me to consider this position. Mm -hmm. So that way I can compare this to my budget, not for the employer, but personally for myself. And that's when I started to look at different things. Now, we're in a $1,000 range. I'm looking at it. In this case, my insurance premium was still higher, so I wasn't saving money there. Mm -hmm. But 
I was traveling for this position. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I would need a cell phone. So rather than saying, you know, am I going to get a cell phone? I just said, I would like a cell phone stipend of $100 per month. And what's 100 times 12? Mm-hmm. So I got my extra $1,000. That So then I didn't have to walk away. Because I'm going to pay my cell phone no matter what. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it was looking at the benefits. It's looking at my budget. It's looking at all the things that I value to see what is it that I want in a position and what do I want for my future. That's such a good point. What a creative way to kind of outgame them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said it's, it's twelve hundred dollars. So you really like yeah. definitely won that negotiation, <laughs> That's right? right? <laughs> you got that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I I get this question sometimes, and especially coming from the employer world before, what sort of risks are there, Valerie, to negotiating a salary? Have you heard of instances where employers have rescinded offers? just because they're so offended you didn't want their initial offer. So I've heard the stories of offers being rescinded. And I always tell them it really depends on how you're having this conversation. It goes back to negotiation is a conversation and not a battle. And so when you take that out and you talk about the facts, then they don't tend to rescind those offers. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And Not to mention if you are going about it in a super professional way and, you know, I I don't know, following kind of your your guidelines, Valerie, if an employer rescinds it, I mean, maybe that's a sign you don't want to work for them. You know, if if they if they just aren't okay with a typical conversation that happens a lot when job searching. I think that's a red flag. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's like it, absolutely. It, when it comes time to to talk about promotions or salary, you know what type of conversation you're going to have with that employee. Right. I mean, it's definitely a big red flag. So we've gone through at least the first three steps. Um, what is the next step, Valerie? One of the steps that we didn't really go over, you know. So we talked about identifying your value, but the first step is really knowing your value. Mm-hmm. So what is your brand? So salary negotiation starts in the interview process. And so when you start thinking about brand, right now, whether I want to or not, I'm known as the salary negotiation person, right? So when people hear about it and say, hey, I've heard you've done these workshops, did I go around saying I'm the salary negotiation person? No, it happened because of what I did. So this really ties back to even that elevator pitch that you do at the beginning of an interview or the tell me about yourself. What within your brand really articulates who you are? And this is a, the foundation really of being able to show the future employer that you're worth it, right? So that, that kind of pre-step was the identification of your value. That first step is that knowing your value. Then we talked about researching your target salary and benefits and then that strategy aspect. And the last one is practice. Mm -hmm. You have to practice this. And I know role play can feel silly, but would you rather role play with an employer and not get the money Mm -hmm. that you deserve? You know, Mm -hmm. and people don't want to practice with a friend, but practice with a friend or practice on your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, record yourself. 
And you will start to see maybe the way that you move your hands, the fillers that you use. And when we're nervous, um, at least this is for me, uh, my voice tends to go higher. Hmm. I tend to think a lot more. And so this is when I'm speaking longer or I tend to say, um, or like when I don't usually use those filler words, but when we're nervous, Mm -hmm. that's how it sometimes feels. So I always tell people record yourself if you're too embarrassed to role play with a friend so you can see where those gaps might be. That's awesome. (laughs) So I just want to say thank you for coming on and giving us all these great tips. I have actually taken, I mean, I know that we're a podcast and this is audio, but I've taken a ton of notes for myself and for my students. Um, there you go. Yeah, it, It's so interesting to hear it laid out in that way and understanding, like you said at the very beginning, that you have to practice this, you have to go through it, and it's just as much work trying to negotiate a salary as it is finding the job initially. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And just know this is just for me personally, it doesn't get easier for me. It is still a nerve wracking process because of my specific background of my discomfort with discussion of salary, but Mm -hmm. it has gotten better. It has gotten easier and find your people that you can have these conversations with. Find those people who help you understand and know your worth because many times research shows that women undervalue themselves, women and people of color. So really making sure that you have the people who are supporting you and that it really is about that full picture of both salary and then the things that you value. Perfect. Perfect summary. Thanks again, Valerie, (laughs) for for joining us today. It was a great conversation and I got so much out of it. (laughs) Great. Thanks for having me. A Walk Across Texas State is hosted by Tori Graham. Zachary Webb is our producer and editor. Music by Richard Hall. For free resources and additional information about our services, head over to careerservices.txstate.edu and follow us on social media at txstcareers. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear new episodes every other Tuesday each semester. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.